everyone. My name is Johanna, and I am from Brooklyn, New York. Family Travel Radio is on the air. Welcome to Family Travel Radio, the official podcast of the Family Travel Association. Family Travel Radio is on the air, helping you discover the world of possibilities family travel has to offer. Well, hello there, my friend. It's Aaron Schlein, and this is Family Travel Radio, episode number 21. Today we're going to get wild, my friend. We are going to be talking wild animal experiences. My guest is Nora Livingstone, and Nora is the co-founder of Animal Experience International, where you and your family can get up close and personal in an authentic and ethical animal experience. Nora and I had a wonderful chat and can't wait to share that with you. That's coming up in just a moment. Have you followed the Family Travel Association on social media? If you haven't, you're going to want to do that right away. In just a few weeks, I am going to be taking over the Family Travel Association's social media accounts when I take my family to London, and I am going to be posting photos and videos, live streams, everything you want to know about traveling to London with your family. I'm going to be bringing that to you on the Family Travel Association's social media. So please go ahead and follow the Family Travel Association. You can find links to all our social media over at familytravel.org. This episode is all about animal experiences. And when you're done listening, I'd love for you to check out Terry Weeks's article over at bigrocktravel.com. It's about her family's visit to the Wolf Creek Habitat. The Wolf Creek Habitat is located in southern Indiana and is currently home to 32 wolves. When you visit the Wolf Creek Habitat with your family, you can observe the wolves from a distance or you can choose to have a closer encounter. And Terry points out early in her article that no one has ever been bitten at the Wolf Creek Habitat. Terry also gives fair warning that you can expect to get some wolfy kisses when you get up close and personal with the wolves at Wolf Creek. There's plenty more to read about the Wolf Creek experience in Terry's article at BigRockTravel.com. And of course, you can find a link directly to the article at FamilyTravel.org slash radio. Nora Livingstone is joining us today on Family Travel Radio. She's calling in from Vancouver Island. And Nora is the co-founder and volunteer coordinator at Animal Experience International, where families can volunteer on safe, ethical, and authentic animal programs. Nora got bitten by the travel bug early when her family moved to Germany from Canada when she was just six months old. She had been able to lead travelers in the Alps of Italy, wildlife centers in Guatemala, conservancies in Kenya, rivers in Canada, and more, more, more. Nora believes you are never too young to travel, volunteer with animals, and make a difference. Nora Livingstone, welcome to Family Travel Radio. Oh, thank you so much. It's so great to be here. Good. It's my pleasure to have you. So, Nora, I have to admit that I edited your bio a bit. Originally, it said that Animal Experience International is a B Corp, and I could not in good conscience read that out loud without knowing what in the world a B Corp is. So, Nora, what is a B Corp and why does it matter? (laughs) That's a good question. So, a B Corp is a social enterprise. Uh, A B Corp specifically has, uh, we've been certified as a B Corp. So, we had a third party uh, audit us, and they audit us every three years to make sure that we truly have a triple bottom line. 
So we're not just uh, being a social enterprise. We uh, we are for profit, but we operate sort of as uh, as a charity. So we look at indicators in the community and in the environment, and we have to prove to this third party that we actually. Uh, we have a quantifiable benefit to the communities we work in, to our travelers, and to the environment that we're working in. So it's uh, it's pretty neat to be able to uh, to say that we're a B Corp because it means uh, we are actually helping. Um, and also uh, to pat ourselves in the back, we have been uh, we've been honored by saying uh, or by B Labs, the the charity that that does all of this. Uh, they have told us that we are best for the world um, in uh, in the community, looking at all our quantifiable benefit. We have the, the most amount of benefit, the top 10% of the court in the environment and the, in the community. So not only are we helping, we're helping quite a lot. <laughs> well, Nora, I have a background in, in economics. And when you say buzzwords like quantifiable benefits, <laughs> that, get, that gets my attention. I, I appreciate you diving into that. That wasn't necessarily something we would get into. I just thought that was really, really interesting the way you've really just, oh, you're so just transparent with the way you operate your business. I think there's a, a lot to be said for that. So we're going to dive into Animal Experience International, Nora. But before that, I want to start with you. Just tell me about yourself. So we already know that you you moved to Germany from Canada when you were six months old. So fill in, fill in some blanks. Tell us about you and your travels. Yeah, well, so my my father was in the military when I grew up, and so that's why we moved out to Germany for uh, the first six years of my life, and then we lived all across Canada. My parents were really they were really adamant that if we were going to live in Germany, if we were going to live in the mountains in Canada, uh, we were going to live there. We'd live off the base in Germany. We would live where everyone else does, and we'd have like a true experience. And they also really wanted us to travel a lot. So in the whole time we were in Germany, we did lots of little trips in a, a VW uh, Westphalia van. And then we bought one actually in Canada as well. So we were always on the road, always traveling together, you know, as a family and, and seeing tons of countries in Europe and then all over uh, America and Canada when we came back. So when, uh, when I turned 16, it was the most appropriate time for me to start traveling on my own. I don't know <laughs> how my parents had that much faith in me because uh, I look at 16-year-olds now and I go, no, keep on traveling with your family. <laughs> They'll keep you safe. But I went to Costa Rica and then, uh, then I, I went to university and traveled a little bit around Canada then. Um, but then when I left university, I did a really big trip to Asia and I spent uh, a bunch of months in Nepal and then uh, Thailand, Korea, China. I'm volunteering a lot along the way. And so that kind of led to the groundwork of AEI because I had volunteered on awesome, amazing, safe, wonderful programs. And I also had volunteered a bit naively on programs that made me go, oh, no, this is this is not great. So when I came back to Canada, I worked a little bit as a, a river guide. I did a, a mountaineering guiding. And then I, I sort of fell into volunteer coordination at the Wildlife Center. I loved it. I loved getting people involved in volunteering. I loved uh, being at a wildlife center and seeing all the all the funny animals in Canada. Uh, some of them more bitey than others. Um, so when I left there, um, Heather, my business partner, she's a wildlife veterinarian we met at the center. She kind of pitched this idea to me. She said, "Hey, like you, you uh, sort of." preach the gospel of volunteering all the time. You're always running logistics for friends and getting people to, to travel and volunteer. Why don't we, 
why don't we make this work and make it some type of business? And I thought, how hard can a business be? Um, as it turns out, a little bit harder than we thought, but, uh, but that was 2012. And so since then, um, you know, our original uh, placements were places that I had already traveled and volunteered uh, when I was a bit younger. Um, but now our new ones um, are amazing because we're now uh, going to these placements uh, already having sent volunteers away, already sending groups away and saying, this is what we're looking for. This is how we know they're safe, they're ethical. Uh, they're authentic as well. So I, I did quite a lot of travel before AEI, and then it got ramped up after AEI to do site visits and, and make sure everything was uh, was on the level. So it's been, um, to use like another buzzword, very uh, digitally nomadic, but it has been awesome for that. <laughs> well, so tell me about, you You touched on this in the, in our, in the B Corp conversation, but yeah. without necessarily bashing any of your your competitors tell me what sets you apart and then also can we get into some you know maybe some business models that aren't as transparent or on the up and up as AEI is yeah I think one of the most important things um, other than our B Corp status like knowing that there's someone else combing through everything we do making you know making sure that all our our choices are are ethical Um, we go to all the placements First. And I think that's really, really important. We have um, we have about 26 different placements right now. Stop, let me stop you for one oh, second yeah. and just define exactly what a placement is. That's not a word that that's not a, a word that I had heard used in this context before. And there's, I'm sure there's a lot of folks out there who haven't either. So can you just define placement and then go ahead and move on? Oh, of course. I forget we're not best friends. and You don't know everything <laughs> about me. Uh, <laughs> we're, on, we're on our way, though, Nora. We're on our way. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so so what we do is we send people traveling on uh, already defined programs. And so we just call them placements because it's easier that way. So instead of someone coming to us and saying, hey, I want to volunteer at, uh, you know, uh, we will make something up that we don't do. Uh, I want to volunteer on the moon. Uh, we say, well, we've not been there. So we don't know if it's safe or ethical or if it is going to be helping the local moon people. Um, we we go to places, we live in the community, we make sure that it's locally run. Um, a lot of our placement people live uh, with families, which is always really great. Um, you know, investment in community, in conservation, everyone in the community that supports conservation and supports uh, locally led conservation, um, you know, gets invested in, all boats kind of rise. And so not only the financial investment, but people coming from all over the world to live with these families and then volunteer on these programs. And so the programs are anything from uh, husbandry, which is feeding and cleaning at wildlife centers, to citizen science, um, you know, going to uh, Croatia uh, with a marine biologist and counting uh, dolphins and doing dolphin monitoring, which is pretty cool. And so the we go there first, so we can know every single point that uh, that could be a problem, or every single point that gets us really excited. So we we schedule the airport pickup to airport drop off and everything else we have done first. Um, and as a, a single woman traveler, I can tell people, hey, I felt really safe. Or I can say there was a point that I, I didn't love, but I was able to talk with 
you know, aunties and uncles in the field and make sure that you do feel safe now. I was able to say, ooh, airport pickup needs to happen at these hours because it's just nicer driving in Kenya in, in daylight hours, for example. And so I think that, especially when thinking about traveling with children, traveling with uh, elderly parents, traveling with your family, it's so nice to know that we've been there and we know exactly what everything looks like. Um, not only for the safety aspect, but also for the ethics. We can say we know where all the money is going and we know that everyone is ethically uh, compensated for their time, for meals, for the groceries they're buying, for the electricity that volunteers are using. None of our volunteers, none of our clients are, are taking from these centers or these communities. It's all invested back. And because we've been there first, we know that you know, we have a relationship with, with all these people. So no one is, is taking too much, I guess I could say. Uh, all the prices are able to be low for volunteers without, uh, without giving off the top from, from centers that we, we don't really trust or we're not taking from centers that we do really trust. The other really great thing is we are able to make sure that they are authentic. So we know exactly at a wildlife center, we know exactly how many animals are being released. We know where the animals are coming from. They're not being stolen from the wild, which unfortunately happens at, at some centers. We know that all the elephants at our elephant center are never ridden and they're never exploited. Uh, we're able to, to do all those checks and balances to make sure when volunteers go away, they, they, they trust the system. They don't have to go, well, I... I hope I'm being picked up from the airport and I hope these animals are safe later. Well, we certainly appreciate the, your, your commitment to that, that ethical, that ethical piece. And of course, to the, to the authenticity, I just, I'm trying to put myself sort of in the, in the, the shoes of a consumer where we may not always know what is appropriate in terms of, of how we interact with animals or what is ethical talking about like using right and elephants as an example, you know, that just seems like something fun and neat to do, but maybe without realizing that there are real world repercussions to, to interacting with animals like that. Can you talk about that? Just that, that sort of that disparity between what people might want to do or think is neat versus actually what is appropriate and ethical. Oh, absolutely. You know, it is, uh, we don't know what we don't know and that's the problem. And I think that people Generally, people love animals and people trust other people, especially in, in tourism. They think if something is available to us, it must be okay, like riding elephants. Um, and also historically, this was something that people just did. They're, they're real big. What could be wrong with riding an elephant? Um, the, there are many problems with riding elephants. One, the biology of an elephant. They actually aren't, uh, they're not built uh, to have any weight on their back. They're meant to be pullers. And so every, every person or every box that holds people on an elephant's back is actually really, really painful for them. At our elephant center, the, uh, there's a lot of different injuries that we see from elephants that are now at the sanctuary. But one of the, the most common injury are broken vertebrae from just people sitting on, on their backs. The other really, uh, problematic thing with riding elephants is elephants, unlike dogs or horses, they didn't co-evolve with people. And so there's no elephants that are really happy when they're born to be around people. They're all meant to be wild. None of them are feral or domesticated. 
So every single elephant, this is very depressing, so I apologize, but every single elephant that is um, used for tourism has actually been broken when they were younger. And it's a, it's a horrible process. And it's something that just a regular consumer, a regular traveler would never think would happen because we trust people and we love animals. And we would never think that you would have to break an elephant. They look so calm and they look so nice. But when they're babies, they have to go through quite a lot of suffering so people can be around them and they're just not, they're just not wild. And so I think that is, you know, another thing that's really great about AEI, Heather being a veterinarian, um, me being a, a travel expert, I've been a lot of places and seen a lot of things, we're able to sit down and talk about what we saw at our centers and at centers we haven't partnered with. There has been, uh, we have 26 programs, we've probably visited 100 programs and only partnered with 26. Because we've been places, we've, we've done research on the internet, it looked really good, we've talked with people for a long time, they sounded really good, they asked the, they asked the right questions to us, they answered the right way, and we went there and then went, oh no. And so since 2012 and all those years, we've been able to really hone in on the questions that we're asking and, you know, asking for, um, you know, for pictures before we go. We don't want to waste people's time. We don't want to waste our own time. Um, and we also don't want to be sad. And so we have visited a few elephant centers and we only have one elephant sanctuary that we partner with currently because we we have seen uh, once we travel somewhere we've seen not great things happening to the elephant and you know i think sometimes people really want to have an experience and they put their their ethical blinders on or like i said before they don't know what they don't know and if you don't know that elephants are broken before you ride them like what even question would you ask? So I think it's, it's so great to let us ask those really tough questions. Those sometimes depressing, sometimes really sad questions. So when you go to our website or, you know, our Facebook or whatever it is, and you see that we, we write, don't write elephants, do this instead. You can go, Oh, okay. You know what? I, I know riding elephants is not good because they're saying it isn't. I can either read about it. Or I can just know for sure they have been certified ethical. We're just going to go with that. Well, I certainly appreciate you shedding a light on, you know, the reality that there is a dark side to this. And you apologized for for getting depressing, but you know, no apology necessary because that's part of of what we do here at Family Travel Radio is is educating families and consumers about the possibilities. But and one of those possibilities is that you, know, you could end up on an non-ethical tour that you might not really want to be a part of if you knew if you knew the truth if you knew what was really going on sort of behind the scenes that darker side that you talked about so i really appreciate the education i know you taught you definitely taught me some things i didn't know and hopefully you did the same for folks out there listening so let's move on nora let's move on to some of the the brighter side and let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about those families in particular so let's go through pick a tour pick one of your very very favorite tours for families and let's just walk through it start to finish and tell us exactly what we're going to experience out there well, I, I cannot pick a favorite one because they're like my children. Um, but I did just get back from Guatemala, so I can talk about that. Our Guatemala Wildlife Center is amazing. Of course, I'm biased. I love all of them. But it was, 
amazing because they do such incredible work and they're able to, on the, on the animal spectrum, they are able to place people exactly where they're able to help. And so on this trip, I was leading, uh, we call them expeditions. And it was really interesting because my mom came. So it's kind of family travel that way. And then we had uh, two uh, sisters that came as well, both in their 30s. So it was uh, the most family trip without us even realizing. Um, how it works is we pick people up. Uh, the center picks people up from the, the local airport. It's in northern Guatemala, very close to Tikal National Park, where the world's highest Mayan pyramids are. So they're picked up from the airport brought to the center, and then everything is sorted, which I also think is amazing for families. No matter where, uh, no matter how old or young your kids are, it's always nice to have people cook for you, and it's always nice to have people just have a room available for you. So there's a few different places that volunteers can stay. It's, it's all enclosed at the center and it's all really safe at the center. But we do have volunteer housing that can be really fun for older kids. That is, uh, they are uh, a little bit in another uh, house from their parents and they're in like a bunk bed. But then we also have like cabinas, cabins that are available if you want to be completely enclosed and uh, and have your kids right beside you um, or in the same room. I was uh, beside my mom in, in the next room. We had a, our own little cabina with just the view of a beautiful lake in the forest in front of us, which is incredible. Like I said, all your meals are taken care of, which is great. We have uh, our partner pays uh, a woman from the community a, a super great wage to to cook for us, which is so nice. Get that cognitive space opened up so we can just work with animals. We don't have to think about meals. And it's husbandry. So it's feeding, cleaning, and enrichment. And so all of the animals at the center have been confiscated from animal traffickers in the area. And so unfortunately, fortunately, that's neat. it means it's really cute animals. And so there are howler monkeys that are very loud but very docile. There are toucans that are very lovely but uh, very, uh, very cheeky. There are uh, wild boars in the center as well, spider monkeys, parrots, scarlet macaws. Uh, and in the education center, there are also some animals that can be released like ocelots and jaguars. And so the feeding, cleaning, enrichment that is done really just takes all the pressure off the veterinarians, the veterinarians and the vet techs that are there, so they can focus on all the really medical stuff. And so the work that we do is honestly like cutting bananas, cutting up melon for uh, for the monkeys. They love it. So you are cutting bananas, cutting melon, making breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the monkeys, the toucans, all the other animals you're working with. There's cleaning. So it's sweeping up everything that the animals haven't eaten. And then once a day, it's spraying down the enclosures. And then enrichment is a super fun part. And I think kids also love it that you just take a small piece of banana because all of the animals there love eating banana and you make little presents. You wrap up the banana in banana leaf or in palm fronds and those go in the enclosures. All these animals are going to be released again. And so the veterinarians make sure that medically they are getting better. We make sure that they're eating really healthy diets. And then the enrichment is really good because they are using their full animal brain. They are hunting for banana. They're knowing how to rip open packages. They are uh, using problem-solving skills. And it gives them something to do. 
it can take up to eight years for a howler monkey from going to the center to being released again. So we want to make sure in that eight years, it's always using its brain. It's always knowing how, how to monkey essentially. How to monkey. (laughs) And so it's, it's so wonderful for families. It's wonderful for everyone, but I think it's so wonderful for families because everyone is learning how to help these animals with all these skills that they already know, or you're learning on the way. How great is it to hand your hand your teenager a uh, a broom and say sweep under this monkey, uh, and then when you get back home, you know they know how to sweep. So <laughs> more chores. <laughs> One thing that I'm picking up here, Nora, is you're talking about not just the experiences, but also the accommodations and just how well taken care of your guests are. This really, at its core, is an all-inclusive experience in really the opposite of what we would think about as your traditional all-inclusive experience. What do you think about that? Absolutely. This is always what I tell people that you can, another really great example actually, is we have a sea turtle center in Costa Rica that the great thing about sea turtles is they are always on the beach. So you can go to an all-inclusive resort and sit in a beach. Amazing. Love it. Or you can go to an all-inclusive animal center, sit in a beach with turtles and just share just a little bit more with your family. Sometimes families just need to go and disconnect. And I love that. And that should definitely be something they should do. But why not go to a beach and share this amazing memory of releasing sea turtles back into the ocean of really, um, you know, thinking about the animals around you. There's, it, you know, we're, we're living in sometimes uh, a a tricky time politically, a tricky time thinking about the environment. This is such a wonderful way to to share a really hopeful experience with your family, a really loving experience. Excellent. Excellent stuff, Nora. Uh, We're winding down here. Before we say goodbye, though, talk to me about any age restrictions when it comes to, to families and children. Yeah. So there are, there are some programs that it just does not work with young children. Fair enough. However, we do on our website, we have, um, we have two pages that are really helpful. We have family trips and we have under 18. So the youngest volunteer that has ever been with us was uh, six years old and he went to a sea turtle center with his mom. And the youngest volunteer that was ever at this wildlife center in Guatemala that I was just at was three which I think is so cool. So he was always with, uh, with his mom or dad. They both went. And just imagine a three-year-old being able to like help peel bananas for monkeys and then like going, you know, eventually going to school and saying he had that experience. People saying, you are a liar. What? <laughs> well, I don't have to imagine too hard, nor I have a three-year-old daughter and I can just oh. imagine her just going, going bananas, if you pardon the pun, for, for an experience like that. She would absolutely love it. So I, I'm glad you got into that because I was real curious. You know, there's so many of these really interesting, fun experiences, but also don't want to give any parents any false hope, parents of, of small children like myself. But it sounds like you've got something for everybody. And I loved your website. Just looking at the way you navigate across the top, you have different menus, starting with fun, and then it moves along to serious, and then along to education, and you get just all these different types of experiences. So it sounds like there's really, really something for everybody. 
Yeah, you know, we uh, we really wanted to make it easy for people to know exactly what they were looking for. You just want to have like fun with your family. Um, but we also are a little bit tricky because, you know, when you're having fun, you're always going to learn just a little bit more. And you're going <laughs> to it's always a bit serious because you're going to actually be helping. And I think that is so cool. You for sure are going to go and sit on a beach and hang out with sea turtles. And that's super fun. Um, but you are going to be doing real serious conservation. And I, I think that is it's so amazing to, to trick people into being conservationists. <laughs> well, serious conservation, serious fun. We've been chatting with Nora Livingstone today on Family Travel Radio. You can find Nora at animalexperienceinternational.com. So go ahead, rethink that that all-inclusive vacation and uh, head over to animalexperienceinternational.com and check out their options for your next vacation. That's animalexperienceinternational.com. Nora Livingstone, thanks so much for taking some time today on Family Travel Radio. Oh, it was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Yes, indeed. That is a wrap on episode number 21 of Family Travel Radio. Hope you enjoyed my chat with Nora Livingstone from Animal Experience International. Special thanks to Johanna from Brooklyn. Johanna, thank you so much for being our special guest announcer on this episode. Of course, you can find everything we mentioned in this episode linked up in the show notes at familytravel.org slash radio. All right, my friend, this is Aaron Schlein for Family Travel Radio. I am signing off.